Hello and welcome to the Worst Movies We Am podcast. This is my beautiful wife, Natalie, and I am Bobby. This episode we have watched Twilight Eclipse from a year, Natalie, twenty ten. And who did we watch it with? Emily Randall. And who's Emily? Emily is a very good friend of mine from university, a fellow historian, and a big film fan. Uh, she was, in fact, the film projectionist uh, at the Bede Film Society at Durham University. Overqualified. Exactly. Natalie, tell the people at home what the Worst Movies We Own podcast is all about. So Bobby and I are married. We watch a lot of films together and we've decided to watch the worst DVDs we own according to the ratings these films have received on the website Letterboxd. Uh, some we've seen before, some we haven't. We've not bought any of the DVDs specifically for the podcast. Uh, it's a co- combination of random stuff included in box sets, charity shop gambles, and films we've bought that other people just don't enjoy. So we'd like to find some treasures amongst these low-rated films, and we're watching each one with an open mind, hoping for the best. Lovely stuff. Uh, Twilight free. <laughs> Twilight Eclipse. Yeah. Saga. Yeah. Eclipse. We've got enough of it yet. Um, I don't know. I... I wasn't looking forward to this one but you just want each one to be kind of better or you want something to happen in, in each one don't you so i'm still feeling quite optimistic for the last two nothing happened in this one got spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> um we but luckily we're not the ones who are going to be uh evaluating it no we've, we've got guests today haven't we we do yes and who's that that is Emily Randall, mm-hmm. uh, who is an old friend of mine from university. She's not old. Yeah. She just, she's just she's like been around pension. in my life for a while. <laughs> it's old. She's not yet, like so. her pension just she's, yet. No, she's not. She's not. She's not. She's not a crone. Okay. <laughs> she's a she's a, a a young lady. Yes. Um, a cool kid. Yeah, she is very cool. Much cooler than me. Or me. Yeah, I was going to say that, but that seems a bit rude. No, em- Emily. Emily is the friend who. I learn the names of all the modern bands from. Mm. So I try and reg- when we have conversations over dinner, I try and register them in my head so that I can pretend that I know any modern bands. Name some of those new musicians for me. No, I know, but I've not seen her for a while. <laughs> so I don't know. But for year- for about the past five years, I have been telling people that I like Wolf Alice because mm. she mentioned Wolf Alice once and I thought, well, like, they sound cool. Yeah. And that must be a modern band. But the thing is, you don't you forget as time goes on, these bands stop becoming yeah modern. So I don't know how you know is, are they cutting edge the old Wolf Alice? To be honest, they're, they're at a real peak of their career at the moment. Yeah. So if anything, your Wolf Alice claim is really good. Your only problem is you might get called out on it. People who actually know their songs now. I don't know a single song. Uh, no, that is the problem. Yeah. That you try to bullshit your feet into modern music. I know. I what know. kind of music do you like, darling? Uh, what do I, I like a bit of jazz. Yeah, a bit of Jerry Mulligan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you can't talk to the kids about the jazz. <laughs> she, she is very cool. Um, and she, she's not just a, a music buff, she's a film buff as well. She loves um, the films, yeah. She does love the films. She's got some interesting tastes in films. Um, and uh, again, someone who, it was really nice at university being able to go and know that I could go and enjoy a good film with her. Uh, though the only one I can remember seeing together was Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, mm-hmm. which we were both very excited about. Yeah. And Perfectly we fine. Film. Both disappointed. Fine. Perfectly she fine was a really film. big Shia LaBeouf fan. Ah, well. <laughs> uh, so there you go. But we didn't watch a Shia LaBeouf film with her today. No, we, we did watched, not. We watched uh, a Twilight film. Yes. As part of our Twilight mini series. Twilight 3. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Return of Twilight. Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to tell the hopefuls at home what the plot of Twilight 3 is? Yeah, I'm going to try. So Ethereal Bella Swan is about to graduate high school, uh, and so she's getting closer to being turned into a vampire, which Edward has agreed to do if and when she marries him after graduation. Uh, but the Cullen clan is in danger from Victoria again uh, because she's building an army of newly turned and therefore apparently super strong vampires to fight against them and finally get revenge on Edward for killing a boyfriend. So the Cullen vampires turn to Jacob and his werewolves for support because they don't think they can take on the youngsters themselves, which forces Bella to confront her growing and completely understandable attraction to young Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> the attraction is not understandable in the plot of the film, that is something you've added in there, a little wrinkle. But I'm not so sure. Agree to disagree. He, he, he takes his top off a lot. He only has his top on once, so yeah, it's not hard for him to take his top off a lot. He probably only has one top. Yeah. Yeah, he's got one black t-shirt, that's that. For loads of pairs of cops. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to bother doing two in-depth facts and figures for uh, Twilight Eclipse. Pretty much everything's the same as previous entries apart from the director. It's David Slade who directed Hard Candy and 30 Days of Night. Um, not David Spade. <laughs> not David Spade. No, you made that mistake. Yeah, I got confused. Because <laughs> <laughs> that would have explained a lot. <laughs> the American Kapai guy directed the last one, so why shouldn't David Spade have a crack at directing yeah, this one? <laughs> maybe he does the next one. No, he doesn't. Oh. <laughs> And the other, other slight difference is a couple of new additions to the cast. Uh, Rachel Lefebvre has mm. been replaced by Bryce Dallas Howard, who is more famous, mm -hmm. but not necessarily given any bigger role in this particular film than the other actress had in previous mm. entries. Uh, Jack Houston pops up for a little cameo. Gloria's yeah, famous. Um, that's pretty much it. I can't think of anyone else who, who rocks up who wasn't in the previous ones. Well, the innocuous mm. kind of boy leading the young vampires who's... Yeah. Just a young boy, isn't young it? boy. This film made the same amount of money as the last two, so just a good steady earner of a blockbuster level. It's got a rating of five out of ten on the Internet Movie Database, and on Letterboxd it's got two point five. Oh dear! Which makes it just slightly better than some of the things we've been covering recently, mm. according to the users of Letterboxd. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a little break, and we'll start talking to Emily about Twilight Eclipse. Emily, hello. Welcome to the Worst Movies We Own podcast. Well, yeah, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to be invited. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm good, yes. Um, yeah, to just say thank you for, for doing such a, an excellent podcast. I, I do enjoy listening to it every Saturday morning when I'm, a, you know, doing my housework around the house. It's, it's, good, to, it's good to listen to you both. Well, this is so nice. <laughs> it's, it is like we have paid you. <laughs> It's, it is nice to have that endorsement. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll put it in writing. Great to hoop to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so I think we've got to start with the most important question. Are you Team Edward or Team Jacob? Oh, God. Right. Well, do, I mean, do I have to choose? <laughs> you kind of do. Just to warn you, I'm pretty sure Taylor Lautner does listen to the podcast. Oh God, okay, I did wonder. Yeah, I'll have to um, I'll have to rein back some of my comments then in like that. But, um, I mean, they both have quite serious anger management issues <laughs> in, and spend half the film getting furious at one another. So it's a real, like, testosterone fest <laughs> filling the air. And maybe a bit of, like, roid raging as well was a kind of... 
was getting a sense of. Yeah, um, you don't get a body like that from just drinking your milk. No, no, there's something, there's something else going on there. But um, yeah, so it was, a, it was a real scrap fest. And I don't think either of them really came out in a good light. So and not judging from the basis of this film, if I did have to choose one of them, it would probably be, probably be Team Edward just. Oh. Um, this is oh, the sorry. Row that the guest has said Team Edward. We need better guests. <laughs> well, we need a third option, which is maybe Michael Sheen. I'm not sure. Mm, yes. <laughs> I like but... that idea. <laughs> if I knew his character's name, that would work really well. Oh, yeah, that's true. I've just called him Michael. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the Sheen Volturi. Um, but yeah, Team Edward, because he's just marginally like more chilled, I think, and slightly more, um, I guess, respectful. Of, of Bella's choices um I'm not sure and also lovely you know lovely faced Robert Pattinson um yeah. you know I do like a good vampire aesthetic um so that that does influence it a little bit um he did seem to be showing a lot more sun in this one yeah it's super sideburns yeah they seem to be increasing as the films go on I don't know how it's going to end he's just going <laughs> to meet in a creepy beard at the bottom I'm not sure but um yeah, I hope so. Make his face less glittery. True. Yeah, that's that's one that's one way to solve the uh, you know the glittery body <laughs> issue is just to grow all body hair <laughs> and then become a werewolf. Um, but yeah, I, I guess and also take Taylor Lautner in this film. Sorry, Natalie, but he, as I said, he he is a child's face on a man's body, which is quite disturbing. Oh, now you've point. said that, it has ruined him for me um he looked even younger in this film and i'm not sure if um it's because you've made that comment previously that i am now seeing him literally as a child's face on it but i you're right he does and and so um whilst i am very much still team jacob um i am no longer gonna you know talk about him in any kind of um i'm not going to treat him like like the object that i might have referred to him as in episodes of the <laughs> Twilight series. I don't know how to cover myself. I think I'm making this worse. <laughs> stop, stop talking about it. Yeah, okay, thank you. I'm going to save you and move on to our next question, Natalie. Oh, thank God. <laughs> um, so, like Taylor Lautner's t-shirt, is mm. there anything about Eclipse you want to get off your chest before we begin? Um, well, I mean, I should say this was the first time that I had seen this particular film. I wasn't even sure when you asked me to do it, which films I'd seen from the, the franchise, but I had I had watched Twilight and I had watched New Moon around the time that they first came out, and I have to say I did I did enjoy them both in their own ways, um, and particularly the first one. So I don't want to be too much of a, a downer about uh, this film, but um, it, it I think the thing I need to get off my chest is that this film just doesn't need to exist. Um, <laughs> Because nothing actually happens. <laughs> so the main the main questions that it seems to be putting forward for resolution here have always already been answered at the end of the last film. So I, I mean, I guess the whole thing is the life the love triangle between the three of them. And at the end of the last film, she says, um, she says, oh, you know, Jacob, don't make don't make me choose because it will always be Edward. And then this film is just him asking again and again. <laughs> if she's changed her mind but she's already said at the end of the last film that that's it um so yeah and also I mean the whole setup with the marriage like at the end of the last film was when 
Edward asked her to marry him and then the whole of this film was just them talking about whether they get married. <laughs> yeah, you're right, yeah. Think about it. The end of the first film is the same. I mean, the, the end of the last film is the same as the end of this film, except this time they're in a meadow yeah. and last time they were in a forest. Yeah, and then there's a conversation. I, I will say though, like kind of like I know one of the half of the couple is 107 years old or whatever. Mm. You have that first romance. You do kind of discuss, oh yeah, we're going to get engaged and get married, but you don't actually get engaged and you don't actually get married. That kind of seems to come in later stages to the point where you don't ever actually eventually get married. And maybe maybe um, Bella's going through that kind of thing. Mm. Mm. But yeah, I mean, no. they are going to get married, aren't they? Well, obviously, because she's already says she wants to spend eternity with him. So you're not going to not get married. You know, there's no, you don't really have a basis to say no um, by that has, point. Has he ever had a girlfriend before? Oh. Oh. Yeah, I, want, yeah, I do want to know. Because what, he, he died when he was 17? Yeah. yeah. I'm assuming not. Because he's like, he's like, oh, I've waited a hundred years for you. Um, yeah, that might actually excuse some of his behaviour, I suppose. In terms of, uh, not that I am wanting to excuse Edward's behaviour, and I do find it creepy mm. that he is he, he hasn't had much practice. Yeah, he doesn't know where um, to draw the line, and you know, not follow your girlfriend around. I mean, and uh... What did he do in the, in the 1960s? Like, what did he do during the Summer of Love? Uh, How did but, he yeah, don't... have his sex? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was one, that was one of the things that I, I was kind of, like, you just want to know a bit more about the backstory of a lot of these characters. Mm. Um, and that's really lacking. And that kind of makes their character a bit lacking uh, throughout it. But yeah but basically but so i guess by this point like we know she's going to eventually like become a vampire all you want to see by this point when you're watching this film is how that happens and yeah nothing happens, <laughs> doesn't happen um so yeah i, I think this yeah it's just seemed a bit purposeless um in in the franchise i say that having not watched the last two but it just it didn't seem to to, to do much or to set up much of a a story for the next one even really yeah um and it made me wonder if they'd already committed to make this film or not when the second was in production um or whether this was just to cover particular book content that the fans would have been livid about if they'd missed i don't know yeah there's a lot there's a lot of it feels like we've included this scene because it's in the book and yeah. we know the fans would have a go if we didn't include it but is it necessary for a film Probably mm. not. Does she need to go visit her mum? I don't think so. <laughs> no. No. Well, I guess that was sort of set up as her part of her like saying goodbye to human life when she goes to see her mum. Um, yeah. Which, but I don't really understand that because I think she could probably, you know, they're vampires, they hang around. Exactly. People, she could still see her mum. Yeah. And also, is that is that you know, if you were saying goodbye to, to human life, is that one of the things that you'd be doing? I mean, obviously, you want to see your family if you felt like you weren't going to see them again. Mm-hmm. But you'd also want to, you know, if you couldn't eat or sleep once you'd become a vampire, you'd just be um, eating, loads, and eating loads of burgers and chips <laughs> and um, having a nap and like melting things with your warm hands. Um, 
<laughs> and we know that Forks has got a really good diner because we've seen it in the first film. Yeah, exactly. Amazing burgers. Yeah, yeah, it's a very good point. Where did that go? Yeah. Shall we move on to just having a general chat about films uh, and your kind of film background, Emily? Um, sure, so, yeah. first question we've got about uh, your film fandom is what are your overlooked favourite films? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I love I love film and kind of watch as much as I have the time time to do. And it's it's quite hard to think of favourites that aren't obvious classic. So, I mean, I suppose there's a few that I would I've watched on repeat viewing that are kind of slightly random ones. Um, kind of films that either cheer me up or I don't know there's something that makes me go back to them a lot of the time um a bit weird but um like I've watched The Painted Veil is a film I've watched quite a lot really yeah which I quite enjoyed that's the the Edward Norton Somerset Morhen kind of period tragedy yeah yeah um and a bit about um I guess it's yeah, about like betrayal and forgiveness and that sort of thing, but also beautiful um, in its setting. So that's, yeah, that's one it's of the ones. A very classy I... choice. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, and also, I think in the same genre of films that I've watched again and again, um, one of those is Hook. Um, yeah. yeah, which which is kind of a classic. So yes, it is. I I, I agree. Um, yeah, it's a, unfortunately it's a dividing line in our household of like kind of. I think I was just a little bit too old for Hook, and therefore oh, you're I never too old for Hook. Way as people even a couple of years younger than me. Yeah, but that's the whole point. Like you know, you it, it teaches you how to be a child again. It teaches you how to be Peter Pan again. Yeah, throw your mobile out the window and uh, live life again. <laughs> And it is devastating as well. God. Um, what was it when um, Rufio? Oh, oh yeah. Not upsetting. Um, yeah. I'm getting, not trying not to give away an ending <laughs> just in case anyone hasn't watched Hook. But um, yeah. So that, they're kind of ones that I keep watching. I think more recently, um, I've got quite a lot into um, like more of the horror genre. Um, not at all. I re- really dislike kind of the slasher like torture porn type um films so don't do anything for me but like more of the kind of paranormal and the kind of uncanny type films um which i think are quite often overlooked um as films and as a genre sometimes so um yeah like all, all the obvious ones like you know shining blair witch but also um i guess i really like i like ariaster and i think Her- hereditary was what is one of the most searingly terrifying things i've ever watched um can't bring myself to watch it again but in a good in a good way <laughs> well we're, we're, i think that's a really good feeling when you kind of go i've watched it and i just want to leave it alone i felt exactly that, that way about uh david Lee's twin peaks film there's a couple of scenes in that yeah. that oh I, I couldn't watch them by myself i have forced myself to recently but it's almost worse letting them linger and kind of grow in your memory about how bad it was yeah, it's the ones that stay with you beyond like the few days after you've watched it, like months or years afterwards, you know, um, when you get up in the night or something and you have, <laughs> you have those flashes of images. Um, so I think that's the kind of maybe slightly overlooked films, um, like critically, but um, but really interesting and original in a lot of ways. So, yeah. I think, did we go and see The Conjuring together? 
I'm just thinking about it in terms of like scary, absolutely terrifying paranormal films that have come out in the not too distant past. Yeah. What you mean? Did we go? Yeah, I think maybe all three of us were together when we saw The Conjuring. I have a I have quite a distinct. I have a, I have a memory of The Conjuring and you in the dark, terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> um, which go hand in hand because, as far as I can remember, um, I've not seen you in the dark, terrifying <laughs> without a film being on at the same time. I'd hope not. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember if we went whether or not we've been we've seen it together. I remember I remember the first time I watched it, the original one. Mm-hmm. Um, just a slightly weird. Um, it was a really packed. It was quite a packed cinema, mm. and I remember there's a scene towards the end where that the mum is sort of. Um, oh, I guess she's had her demonic possession, and is mm-hmm. sort of sitting in a chair. I think she's got like a bag over her head or something. And is making yeah. all these weird gurgly noises, um, and um, she was wearing a pair of like white plimsolls. And this was one of the most terrifying like um, moments in the film. And I just remember somebody behind me going, ah, Primark. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of my enduring memory of Conjuring. The... Well, that, hopefully that diffused some of the tension at that time. <laughs> it did, yeah. <laughs> okay, what films have you seen and absolutely hated? So, you know, let's assume the people who made them aren't listening in. Slag them off. What did you think? <laughs> I mean, I was gonna, I was just gonna start by saying that like, there's no film that I absolutely hate. Um, you know, you've got, to, you've got to respect the craft. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of things that aren't my cup of tea. Um, I, there's only one film that I can think of where I've actually walked out of the cinema mm-hmm. halfway through, uh, and that was Alexander, the Swords and Sandals <laughs> epic with. <laughs> Colin Farrell, Angelina Jolie, um, and I, I like remember walking out at the exact moment when he was sort of like rearing on an elephant during a battle. Um, yeah. Was it was it the historical inaccuracies of the film or the Irish accent across the board? It might have been I don't know the wigs. I, <laughs> I can't remember. I, I mean, I can't remember it being that offensive as a bad film. I've seen a lot worse films than that but something about it at that particular moment in time I just I was just oh I don't have time for this in my life <laughs> I walked out um yeah so that's that was probably the only one that I've sort of actively avoided I mean there's, there's a few that I've sort of stopped watching on like streaming services at home where you kind of you haven't really parted with money or anything but um like one of those quite recently we watched um tried to watch Kingpin um, oh, it's great! Yeah, I don't know what it was. <sighs> Again, maybe it's just the mood that you're in at that time. But it, um, yeah, it didn't do much for me to, to turn it off. And um, <laughs> yeah, similarly, um, when I've been watching some of the older like horror films, like Hellraiser. Um, oh no! I just had to turn it off, but not because I was scared, but just because it was just a bit too hammy. Um, yeah, I, I can understand how I do really like it, but I think it's made so cheaply and almost with a, quite a theatrical style of bad acting that if you're not invested in it in the first 10, 15 minutes, I could see it being a slog. Yeah. But obviously, it got me the first time I saw it because I was quite young and scared me, and therefore I overlook what is kind of 
cheap and problematic about it and just really enjoy it for what it is mm, yeah I think I, I mean the other the other kind of genre I guess that um I just again is not my cup of tea is really um just any superhero franchise I'm not really into so all, all the kind of Marvel DC it's just not not my bag um I can see I can see what they're setting out to do and you know it's got a mass appeal to it but I just completely lose the thread of all the millions of films and um, mm. that have been produced and are, are sort of never ending. Um, so, yeah, just not for me. And a bit sad, like, I guess it's the whole um, thing that it does dominate the cinemas quite a lot um, yes. sort of it, superhero franchises. And it's a bit of a shame, um, I think. So there's nothing more frustrating when the film that you've been waiting to see for ages is out for a week with one show in a day because they're using like eight screens to show I don't know Iron Man mm. yeah and his hammer or whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean would you consider Twilight a part of a kind of it's not really a superhero franchise but I guess mm. it's, it's it is a franchise edging though, edging towards that isn't it Mm. I think that's what attracted us to watching them all because I mean Bobby brought more hope from the charity shop but we have been going through a phase of trying to catch up on franchises that we've not watched all the way through previously so we did Harry Potter and mm. um and this is kind of like in the same vein for us um but it is I think it is similar to the whole Marvel thing I think it there's like a cult around it and mm. you don't know whether they're as popular as they are because of the hype you know, rather than them being actually decent films. Yeah, there's there's big fan followings that will probably defend, you know, the the quality of it. Um, but you've got to kind of find it out for yourself, really. Uh, yeah. Mm. Okay, so who is your main movie star crush? Uh, we'd use the example of Natalie's obsession with James Spader. Obsession. <laughs> 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 But you don't you don't have to have all their films on DVD and TV yeah. series. If it could just be somebody. Well, hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to know more about this obsession, though. Um... It's not an obsession. It's not. It's <laughs> How does it manifest me. itself? <laughs> what my personal obsession, or yeah, like oh no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not an obsession. It's I. I am a fan, uh, and I operate within reasonable sane boundaries. I don't even have all of his films because some aren't <laughs> accessible. <laughs> he tried, but yeah, no, I, yeah, I have ordered from abroad. <laughs> I have some suspect websites. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's hard. I think it's hard to choose one uh, one main movie star crush because uh, there's so many over the years. Um, that they kind of reflect different times in your life but um I guess uh well Robert Pattinson I think at one time was would have been one of those um Mm -hmm. I have a lot of respect for Leonardo DiCaprio and uh (laughs) enjoy his works (laughs) and is that Um, baby face DiCaprio or golden chiseled kind of oaky whiskey looking DiCaprio now well, again, you know, it changes with age. Um, you you know, you've bit... grown up with him. Exactly, yeah. Um, Titanic was a, a big part of uh, my young life. <laughs> <laughs> so much so that I remember going to the um, 
we had a big uh, exhibition. I can't remember it was. Um, you know, one of the big London. I think it was at the O2, wasn't it? The Millennium Dome. Yeah. Yeah. So that was how that um, obsession manifested was uh, going along to the title. Yeah, but I think, you know, he's a good chap as well, is the sense I get. Um, His environmental campaigning and all of that. So he seems like a a man with integrity as well as excellent acting skills. And he's always on hand to support a struggling young supermodel as well. Yes. Someone's got to do it, you know. Get those opportunities. Okay, so we're going to talk more about kind of how you got into movies. So what kind of movies did you watch growing up and kind of how did you experience them growing up? Was it kind of on TV or video shop or at the cinema? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm the youngest of, um, of three siblings. Um, <clears throat> I think a lot of um, my movie watching, movie watching experience um, growing up was sort of formative VHS watching experiences that weren't really anything that I'd chosen but that just through um kind of hand-me-downs watching a lot of uh, VHSs at home um yeah we didn't we didn't tend to go to the cinema that much and we didn't really we didn't really go to Blockbuster that was seen as like a really I don't know an extraordinary thing like a really special thing to do we never really did that (laughs) but uh, we did go to the library and get you know rent the odd VHS from there but what what ended up happening was we had a collection of about like 20 or so VHS tapes that you'd end up watching to death um mm-hmm. I was trying to remember some of the ones that we had um and it, what I noticed was they had quite an aquatic theme coming out <laughs> um so we had like Free Willy um Flipper yeah, uh, Popeye Paul Hogan's Flipper with Elijah Wood yes yes um <laughs> And 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 mer- mermaids, you know the share. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but also outside of the kind of nautical theme, we had you know Death Becomes Her was another one that we. Oh, that's um, a good one. Yeah, obviously Princess Bride. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, probably watched more VHSs with adult themes than I should have done. Um, <laughs> uh, with Death, you know, Death Becomes Her and mermaids, but. Um, and I think the other thing that will probably make people think that I am the Antichrist is um, that I never watched Disney as a child at all. We just didn't didn't really have any of the VHSs for that, and I never really was that into it. Um, I think but... that's absolutely fine. In a way, that's just you know that just reflects well on your parents that <laughs> <laughs> you were you were protected from it. Yeah, I'm kind of in, in hindsight, I'm kind of half half um you know thankful they kind of opened me up to other 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 things i think the closest thing we had was um do you remember hannah barbera mm-hmm. the kind of cartoons yeah we had um yeah. we had a vhs of rumpelstiltskin um and that was that was one that i watched a lot and, and enjoyed but i think more i think i was more kind of into tv series um when i was when i was a kid that so i would record on vhs and um and never watch back really again but things like simpsons um like sister sister yeah uh, around the twist eerie indiana oh classic um and then obviously a bit later on buffy was a big one um yeah so i think I, yeah it was more of it based on the collections that we had at home i think as part of our yeah. family 
Yeah. I mean, fish films aside, that just sound like a pretty good, solid foundation for for, for getting into films. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel yeah. I'm sad. I feel a bit sad that I didn't have the kind of. And, and I know, Bobby, you obviously did a lot of um, uh, blockbuster. Was it blockbuster that you guys? No, did? No, 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 no. Blockbuster was out of my league. It was oh, a okay. very cheap corner shop, and then Excellent. maybe a mile away from that, there was a bigger independent one but that was massive mm. um but yeah but i spent pretty much my entire weekends in those shops that sounds great <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think like cinema visiting was more something that came a bit later on for me um, in my mm. 20s yeah the twilight saga eclipse emily what did you like about the film um yeah there were a few um good point oh, well a few things that were, were decent about the film. Um, I, I suppose one of the things that was quite good was it had a bit of a monster of the week type style approach to it. Um, so you've got these these new the new threat of the, the newborns, um, you know, this elevated power um, that is kind of defeated by the end of the episode. And I quite like that it rem- that was kind of of a Buffy esque style to it. Mm-hmm. Um, although of course Buffy had a lot more fun with it than Twilight yeah. does and was doing and Buffy also does a lot of smart things with the with the monsters but um which just didn't do. But I did like that approach. Um other things, I guess the soundtrack was all right. Um Yeah, I, yeah, I like the soundtrack. It was surprisingly good. <laughs> a few good ones. Um I don't know how good a sign it is, though, that someone my age enjoyed the soundtrack for what should be a teen movie. <laughs> did you recognise the, um, the band? I thought I did. I think I was watching it with subtitles on and it did tell me some of the people. And I was like, oh, they're a decent group. But um, yeah, so the soundtrack, I guess, um, also, I liked that when, when the vampires like died or smashed, um, it sounded like jangling keys. That was pretty good. <laughs> How did you feel about the smashing of the vampires generally? Um, uh, as a fellow Buffy fan and knowing that vampires turn to dust when they get killed. Yeah, problematic, um, you know, mm. serious issues. And also at some point, I think, doesn't Edward say to try and goad Victoria? He was like, oh, I turned James into dust. Mm. And it's like, well, no, you didn't because... <laughs> You, you just shattered him like a china doll or something i'm not sure but um so there were inconsistencies in their own law um yeah. there which wasn't which wasn't great um the scenery was all right um you know it looks like a nice place for a holiday mm. um but definitely bring thermals if you're camping yeah um, I, I was going to bring that up like kind of we're supposed to trust that bella's going to make the right choice because she's so sure of herself and yet she continually makes terrible decisions, including going camping without her thermals on. Yeah. Did nobody like, look at the weather forecast? Surely know. that should make Edward go, right, maybe she can't make the best decisions about the rest of her life right at this point in time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't trust anybody who's not wearing thermals. Um <laughs> um, I suppose yeah, the only other the other thing that I thought was pretty good um was that they did make some effort to sow the seeds of a backstory for a couple of the characters in this mm. one so you've got um they they made um they've got jasper's what confederate soldier um mm-hmm. history and then rosalie i think she, well, i guess it was like a 20 
1920s socialite type yeah background i mean they're really poorly sketched <laughs> flashbacks and characterisms but i did i did like that they'd done it at all um they, they made a little bit of effort and I'd, it'd be really good to see a little bit more of that for the other main characters so um like yeah like so did edward have a girlfriend before now we'd like to know um mm. what's going on with carlisle you know in the main vampire guy um mm. why and, and also what are his he, his motives for changing these sort of seemingly random half-dead people into vampires um because I, I don't think he, I mean, it doesn't really tell you if he knew these people beforehand like did they have any connection to I don't know it was all a bit confusing um and he's a doctor so surely he sees like thousands of people who are you know half dead um yeah I I, I completely agree like it, it feels like they should have started doing this with the first film yeah and I don't mind just getting drip fed certain backstories kind of like in a tv series that you might have to wait a few episodes in like in Lost to find out what's going on with certain characters but um when they started doing it with Rosalie in this one I thought oh great that th this is going to make this film so much more interesting because we're going to see mm. how each of the Cullens became part of, of clan Cullen yeah uh, and then they did just do those two. And I thought those two bits were kind of like highlights of the film for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Carlisle is the mystery. Because mm -hmm. um, he's so creepy. In in, <laughs> uh, the, in everything else that guy's in, he always plays kind of a wrong one. So when he was in the first film, I was like, well, this, the, this man must be the villain. And he's not. He seems like a very nice, fatherly figure, uh, very kind of accepting of Bella. Um, but yeah, what, what are his motivations? It's a very good point. Yeah. So, and what was his connection to these people that he's now made part of his family? Like, obviously, you can see with Jasper, he wasn't part of the family originally. So, he just mm. tagged on later on. Um, yeah. So, there's there's more. Uh, yeah. Like you, I was I, when when we got that little flashback, I was like, oh, this could be more interesting. But then it didn't really pay back after going through it. Um, mm. I suppose the other thing, not that I liked about the film, but I suppose it's pretty um, upfront about what it is. It's it's unadulterated like teenage girl catnip, and mm -hmm. um, and it does that pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> and if you are a teenage girl, which you know, see, unfortunately, I'm not any longer. Um, <laughs> then it's it gives you know loads of opportunities to to, to lust over Pat Patterson and uh, the constantly shirtless um, uh, Taylor Lautner um mm. but it felt a little bit like the whole thing was just a set up for the um the, when they were in the tent when he delivered the um you know i'm hotter than you line um <laughs> yeah <laughs> but there wasn't much else much more substance around that um yeah yeah i don't and i, I agree um trying to imagine what it is like to be a teenage girl and based on my personal crushes when I was a teenage girl I don't think I've ever known what it was like to be a teenage girl um, <laughs> but I, I don't know if if Edward and Jacob either of them are first of all realistic options for um for a teenager um to kind of think that this is the kind of boyfriend I might have when I'm 17 or 18 mm. um, but also not really sure that either of them is you know is what they want like 
or, or what they should want in terms of you've got those kind of like creepy arty kids who like read philosophy and and are really pretentious but they're also really needy a aka edward and then you've got kind of like the boys who spend too much time in the gym mm. um, and use fake tan yeah um, and have like a drawn on tattoo <laughs> Which I'm sure, you know, Jacob's tattoo was meant to be real, but he was like 16 when he got it, how did that happen? Yeah, I guess it was part of his like, initiation, I don't oh, know. Yeah. But, um, oh yeah, you're right. But yeah, I mean, like, Ed- Edward's like the um, the ultimate, but he's he's like the most, he's like non-threatening, um, older, but doesn't look older. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, completely kind of... Um, De- you know dedicated eternally uh, which I guess is they are big kind of appealing factors for a teenage girl to, to yeah like he has he doesn't have eyes for anybody else um he's mature and, but um yeah I'm turning into a t- back to a teenage girl now and I'm <laughs> <laughs> I, I like Robert Pattinson I'm, com- I'm completely on board um, oh, yeah with yeah. him and and he is I mean, I think probably he caught like the teenage girl's eye in Harry Potter before, um, before Twilight. So it's kind of like the same age girls, I suppose. Saw him in Harry Potter and then graduated to Twilight. But he does—he yeah. did seem to. He, he was kind of cute in Harry Potter and 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 then in Twilight, he's he's quite gaunt. <laughs> <laughs> Which I know he's a vampire, so fine. But um, I do wonder what happened to him in those two years or whatever it was. Well, yeah, I guess he doesn't look like that in real life, though, does he? I mean, well, he's, well, he's not glittery. <laughs> I'm assuming he's not glittery. They didn't just write he's that into the film. It's going to be one of those extreme transformations, like the Christian Bale type. Or <laughs> yeah. well, maybe he was up for like a serious role and lost loads of weight, and then they were like, "No, we're going to give it to Christian Bale." Um, so you can you can be a vampire instead. Yeah, and he hadn't left the house in several years, yeah. so he yeah. had a really good pale look on but yeah i think if you look at bryce dallas howard she's usually a lot more um round the face than she is in this so there must be something about the pale makeup they use that makes right. them look a little bit emaciated as well uh mm. he- heavy contouring going on right mm. okay yeah a nice a, a nice ashy um cheekbone yeah <laughs> that's what they don't want emily what didn't you like about twilight eclipse um I mean, well, we've—I've already touched on it. Like, it, it was a lot of fluff. Um, it was—it was a filler film, um, and there, there are a few like specific things. So they spend an awful lot of time like setting up this apparently terrifying threat of the newborn vampire army, and they were like, "Oh my god, they're the strongest. They're the most bloodthirsty, mer- merciless killers, and they have no sense of control, um, and that, like they're, they're actually forming an army." Um, you know. But then it really falls flat. It's so anticlimactic. Um, they're really easily defeated in, in a space yes. of a few minutes. And their army, I mean, maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but there were, I thought there was only a couple of dozen of them. Um, it's like they hadn't made much effort <laughs> to multiply. Um, and I think there's also like this implied, implied throughout that somehow Victoria, who's this, um, you know, the threat from the, the first film, is some kind of super intelligent force to contend with 
but there's, there's just no real tactics she just sort of rocks up and then dies <laughs> and, um, mm. so yeah that that was a bit disappointing um I think also the the gender relationships like serious issues mm. with, with what's going on here um like re- kind of coercive <laughs> relationships mm-hmm. um I think at one point there's um like Edward, like I think, like he takes the engine out of her car to stop her from seeing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jesus, that's a bit extreme. Um, and he's constantly watching her, like when she's awake or asleep. Um, and then on the other side with Jacob, you know, the whole he's like, oh, you you like me, but you won't admit it. Yeah. Um, although she's already said several times that um, she's made her choice. So that was, um, yeah, some some issues there in the, the gender roles. How did you feel about the scene where Bella punches Jacob in the face? Um, I mean, good for her. Um, <laughs> she absolutely knackered her hand, didn't she? Um, yeah. But then she forgives him within about five minutes. And, uh, yeah. Well, she is, she is quite happy to use him in the battle to the death, even if they're not getting along at that particular point in time. Yeah. Yeah, he's convenient. Um, but I think it kind of comes back to the whole bit of um, she's not she's a bit of a kind of non-entity as a character. Mm. Doesn't really have a great deal of kind of her own agency. And, you know, if she really was that annoyed with him to punch him in the face. Then you just tell him to go away, not, you know, not keep encouraging him, I think. But, um, yeah. Um, there's also the whole thing where it's a bit like territorial, where they're kind of give it, they're trying to mark her with scents and trinkets. <laughs> <laughs> She's just going to end up completely covered head to toe in like wolf emblems and and, yeah. and silver things. Yeah, and dog smells. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of the a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the plot development really hinged on smells and. <laughs> And, and like thought readings which um so a lot of the perception that was taking place was was kind of happening through no senses and it just was a it got a bit boring um and it was just a bit too convenient sometimes um for that to happen um the, the other thing that was i kind of touched on it already was like if this is part of her preparing to become a vampire she's she's doing really rubbish stuff um but also this is where the vampire the vampire tropes like the traditional ones would have been quite interesting because it's not really that clear what she's going to be giving up by becoming Mm. a vampire like she's not even going to lose her sense of self necessarily Mm. um because they talk a lot about her losing her her soul and being damned but there's just not really like any evidence of that happening with the other vampires um and that's what again i'm going to keep talking about buffy i'm sorry but love it but um never never apologize for talking about buffy but it's so much clearer in buffy where it's like it's a demonic possession it's like you yeah you kind of become the most sadistic version of yourself but it is a a demon that has taken over your body um and you have no control over it whereas in this they seem to like it seems to be that um it's a bit of nature versus nurture kind of if you train yourself hard enough you can be a good a good vampire um but I mean that that's it kind of ties in with like you said before about her being a bit of a blank slate. It is mm. a bit of a gamble from the vampire's point of view 
turning someone who has not formed formulated their personality yet, who they don't really know anything about because she doesn't really have any characteristics, mm. into someone who's going to be very, very powerful and live forever. I mean, she could be evil. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't exactly, like, you know, have that many very positive qualities. She's a pretty bad friend to <laughs> people she goes to school with. Poor Anna Kendrick. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know that I call them friends. Cause... <laughs> yeah, she sits at their table at lunch um, and has gone for however many years she's been at that school. Mm. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, that is strange. By um, this point as well, Anna Kendrick is starting to appear as the, the headlining star of things, which is so much bigger than this franchise mm-hmm. and yet she appears in this and she's like 12th build and you kind of go mm-hmm. surely someone should have went oh let's give her a couple of extra scenes let yeah, her have a flirt she... with a werewolf or something like that she was like the comedy relief in the first one mm-hmm. that delivered the you know the little zingy lines that were quite funny and that were mm-hmm. quite necessary to have in and then in this she's just not really yeah it's a shame that she wasn't more present in it I suppose she's probably she was probably she signed up for all the films and uh, she just had to fulfil that obligation. Turned, <laughs> turned up for one day, um, got into a graduation outfit, did a little speech, and then left. <laughs> um, but I mean, the other thing as well, I don't know if you uh, noticed it. Like, there's this scene where she's talking to her mum about being really into science and wanting to go to the University of Alaska. Mm. Um, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> so, if, and and also, she's never really shown any kind of interest in science so i don't know if she's oh, just oh i don't know she was good at the cell the cells you know when they looked at the cells oh yes you're right and she got the, got the onion yeah. thing in the first one um, oh yeah that that's that's the proof yeah. <laughs> science science genius yeah <laughs> no I'm, i that's right but i mean i don't think she is planning to actually go it's just a cover you think yeah right yeah um which is a shame yeah it's, it's just a bit sad. i mean it's just sad that she doesn't really have she just a bit formless um mm. and she's just basically caught between these two two blokes um that are fighting for her but um yeah so I, yeah it wasn't keen i suppose yeah, the other thing that i didn't really like was um that just the wolves and their tiny denim pants <laughs> <laughs> they're just so silly um just to explain to people who haven't actually seen it that the wolves aren't wearing denim pants. <laughs> like, they the wolves, are. Yeah, when they're humans. Were they wearing denim pants when they were wolves? <laughs> no, they were Okay. Because <laughs> I'd be very sad to have missed that. I mean, but they're ruining so many good pairs of denim mm. pants. Like, it's just constantly busting out them <laughs> all the time. And again, this is where those like the the werewolf tropes would have been like interesting because mm. they all have control over when they turn into these um like wolf dogs. Um, mm. And I just find the traditional werewolf type, you know, it's three days where you can't control when the the moon, you know lunar based on lunar cycles, yeah. um, which we know from Oz. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, which we yeah. learned. From Seth Green, yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, actually, based on that, the, I was thinking about like the whole the whole name of the franchise. The franchise doesn't actually make any sense. <laughs> Have you ever thought about this? So, no, like Twilight. No. I mean, it doesn't matter because the the vampires can come out a day. Yeah. Um, New Moon, like there's 
nothing to do with moons, the, the yeah. werewolves. Um, I mean, they, they haven't thought it through. They must be very embarrassed yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> Shaming them <laughs> publicly. Um, and I suppose there's also the ongoing saga of the, the unpopped cherry in, um, mm-hmm. in Bella. That is just getting a bit, yeah, dragging on. Um, as much as she tries <laughs> to convince uh, this man who hasn't had sex for 107 years yeah. um, to have sex with her, but he's, he's not keen. He, happy to make her his wife for eternity, but not that keen on having sex with her. No. You can, you can wait another... Hundred years. Yeah. True love waits. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was because um, I, I listened to your, the other two po- the podcasts that you've done. Um, so it's really useful to know about the was, was it a Mo- Mormon context that this was written in, mm. and a lot yeah. of things just made a lot there, more sense. There's a there's a scene with um, Jacob where he's telling uh, Bella about how it's all right to have two partners uh, in terms of the old imprinting and falling in love thing. And you go, ding, 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 Mormon bingo. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> they could do a Mormon drinking game with any... Um... <laughs> yeah, they'd love that. <laughs> any Mormon-esque value raises its head. Um, but it was useful to know that because that just made a lot of sense. Um, yeah, so those were kind of the main things um and if you're just if you're not interested in the love triangle then there's really not that much there for you um beyond that yeah that's true <laughs> it's almost like these that's what these films are about but yeah. there is there is more there is like much more interesting stuff just on on like the the outskirts of it like all this um uh what's her name dakota fanning uh creepy female vampire from the Voltari you know this shady vampire organization which is so much more interesting than the love triangle and we just get tiny tiny bits of it and there's only two films left so you know how are they going to fit it all in yeah I mean I'm guessing they will be a big part of the last because they're kind of the remaining threat Mm. this sort of vampire council um but um they, they just sort of didn't do anything in this film they just turned up and didn't just literally didn't do anything um and then went home um so yeah a bit flat okay regular questions uh this is uh where we kind of do some quick fire stuff who was the michael parks the film when everyone else was cashing full effort and was a stand-up performer in the film uh this is a really hard question because the the whole thing was it's a lot of terrible dialogue so there wasn't a lot for many people to play with but um i guess Kristen stewart just still um i think she's still doing a lot with a little um and she is a good good actor you know um so I'm good. She's just edged it, I think, for me. Um, what What would you guys say? I, I mean, I think Kristen Stewart's the best thing she's in. Everything that she's in, because yeah. I love her. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's so kind of unfortunate that she has such terrible dialogue to work with. But can you imagine how bad it would be, you know, spoken by someone else? Mm. Yeah, but... young actors. 
I'm assuming that these four films gave her and Robert Pattinson the freedom to do whatever they want now for the rest of their career in terms of finances, cachet in terms of making stuff. So, yeah, even though it is a chore to watch them struggle through such bad scripts with so little kind of energy to them, mm. we know that it's given us so many good films since. Mm. That, yeah. yeah, it was a necessary evil. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, I really, I really do like Chris. I like Christian Stewart a lot, and um, I like Rob Pattinson a lot, and all his subsequent performances. Um, so yeah, no, I'll, I'll be grateful for for the role that this played <laughs> in their career. I was going to ask you, Bobby. Um, you know, you mentioned about um, enjoying a good mermaid. Um, yeah. <laughs> how, what did you make of uh, the lighthouse? Uh, lighthouse with. Oh yeah, I, I enjoyed the lighthouse, but I don't think I loved it as much as I was supposed to. It, I think mm. it filled an evening, was very arty, and yes, that mermaid was very sexy, terrifying, <laughs> like like a leviathan in in many ways. But uh, she didn't; mm. she wasn't in it that much. Whereas you know, like kind of if you if you do have any sexy mermaid films where they are above a certain age, I would love mm. to watch those. There aren't many sexy mermaid films. Really? Yeah, it, it it's a real gap in the kind market here. Aquamarine or Ariel, and like kind of, I think I'd get in trouble for watching those. So I, I will move on and away from Flash. <laughs> I'm not going to prison for mermaid dancing. <laughs> not today, no. Um... <laughs> um, okay, did you notice any product placement in the film? Um, I, I noticed a. Uh... A bottle of Tabasco sauce in Charlie's kitchen. I'm not surprised <laughs> about that. I, I, he seems like a Tabasco man. He's a saucy man. He is saucy. Yeah. He's a saucy influencer, as we, um, <laughs> you know, that that was literally the only thing that I could notice with any kind of brand name on it. Uh, Edward's car was a big promotion, and in every uh, country, Twilight Eclipse was released. You could play an online game on your phone if you completed it first. The game was, I believe, solving puzzles so you could find where Bella's graduation was in your car. You would win that car. Oh, wow. They, they like it. And uh, Charlie was drinking a beer at one point, but I didn't recognise. Yeah, I, can't, I think I tune out cars, so I'm not surprised I missed that one. But um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you could make one change to Twilight Saga Eclipse, what would it be? Um, make it not exist. I don't know. Um, <laughs> condense into a ten-minute like recap or conversation at the beginning of the next film. Maybe I don't. I don't know. Um, I think which I think could be done quite easily. Um, maybe make like the dad Charlie a vampire at some point. That'd be great. Well, that would be nice for her. That'd be yeah. lovely. That would solve yeah. a lot of her problems. I think. Yeah. Um. And he's got real, like, um, Ron Swanson vibes about him. And I think that would be quite entertaining. <laughs> yeah. As a, as a vampire, to see how he fits into that, that world. Um, and he can also then, um, he was having a weird sort of flirty moment with one, another one of the vampires during this film. Mm. Um, so he, he could get with her, maybe. That would be good. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, he'd, he'd be a much more effective police officer as well because he doesn't seem to solve any of these missing children crimes. No. 
magistrate's beard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so fun. Um, he can't or, even see, see through his girlfriend, his uh, daughter's teenage lies either, which is the thing you go. Yeah. It's basically like kind of the law enforcement of this entire town where there are quite a few deaths and yet your, your daughter's boyfriend's in every night in your house. Mm, yeah, he's not picking up on that those clues is he um yeah is he chief of police as well i think he's quite high up he seems to be the only policeman mm. i've not seen anyone else in there that might explain why he's chief um <laughs> i think the other i mean there's a lot of interesting things they could have done with just i mean this isn't even isolated to this film but things like um you know you can make one of the the wolves into a vampire i wondered mm. you know um, there could be some kind of um, like truce between the, the warring factions and you get a lovely shiny um, wolf glass man. Um, Are you suggesting a sparkle wolf? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> a sparkly wolf. Um, so I really think they missed a trick there. <laughs> um, and also bring back Michael Sheen because um, he wasn't there. I don't know, was he? Maybe he had other commitments. Um but he, you know, he needed a bit. It needed a bit of sass um, in in the film and a bit of comedy mm. um, that's well delivered. And uh, yeah, could have done with more of that from from a bit of uh, Sheen and also Anna Kendrick, I think. And where would you cast your movie star crush Leonardo DiCaprio in Twilight Eclipse? <laughs> um. Ooh. I'm not really sure there's, there's a place for him in this film. Um, I guess any anybody on the the, the vampire council, the Volturi type thing, would be entertaining. He is very tanned. Ah, uh, yeah, that's I true, mean, actually. They, yeah. they could pop a, a bunch of makeup on him, but I can't really imagine Leonardo DiCaprio like that pale. No, that's true. He's quite yeah. pale at the end of Titanic. No, oh, <laughs> he's blue. <laughs> Yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, and I'm not. I'm, uh, yeah, that's probably. Uh, yeah, I guess maybe more of it. He'd be maybe more wolfy. I don't know. He could be the one that gives them all their tattoos in the wolf clan. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I could see him as a wolf. Yeah, yeah. Let's pop him in there. Yeah. Okay, and our final question is: Twilight Saga Eclipse. Worse or better than bad boys? Okay, so I mean, I've got a confession to make here. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, I've never watched Bad Boys, so I, I cannot judge. That's it would appear that I'm very much in the minority of people who've seen Bad Boys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to guess it's worse. Um, I'm pretty sure it's worse. Um, I mean, you could ask me to judge if it's better or, or worse than um, another Will Smith film, but um, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't comment. Um, what, what, what's what's your most average Will Smith film you've seen? Oh, oh there's a few. Um, <laughs> yeah. I watched Seven Pounds recently. That was um, that was okay. You could kind of guess what was happening from the beginning, though. Um, yeah, I'd say it was it. it was definitely worse than that. But um, yeah, I, I yeah I should say so. I think I, having watched the other Twilight films, um, I did rewatch them for this, so, so I just knew had a clue what was going on. 
they, they do have their own kind of um there are good things i think about the, the twilight saga the first film especially is probably the best and um but this this film just yeah it, it didn't do it for me um, it, it was just it was just like watch it was like watching bad fan fiction I'd love to say, oh no, I disagree, but like, kind of, I'm really sorry. We're watching all Twilight films now. That this one bored me to tears. Yeah, it was my favorite one so far. Are you kidding? Really? No, I'm not even joking. No, I, I, I mean, I, I thought it was a bit daft when it got to the battle bit, but um, I, I thought it was really funny, and I enjoyed really? all the uh, yeah. All the it was humorless. No, it wasn't humorless. I, mean, I enjoyed all the showdowns between Edward and Jacob. Um, I thought I mean, Jacob's really coming into his own, and uh, I like the flashbacks to getting a bit of two characters, like a bit of their background and stuff with the cowboy. Um, yeah, I when you say, well, I mean, when you say it's funny, yeah, is it yeah. because some of the scenes were like laughably bad? I don't know whether the intention <laughs> was to make me laugh, but I did. <laughs> Um, and I think sometimes it was intentional, and I think sometimes it wasn't. Uh, yeah. But I, I had some fun. Um, <laughs> it's all I know. That was just your lingering experience when you can't remember anything yeah. of the film. Yeah, that might. You'll be know it. you had a Maybe good I'm... time. Okay. It is possible I've just recreated a different film in my own head. Um, but uh, no, I didn't. I didn't. I certainly didn't think it was any worse than the other two. Uh, but then I can't remember what happened in the other two. So, yeah. well, I, I, I wish you both the best of luck in the next two. Films. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, want, I probably shan't be watching. <laughs> well, you're not dying to know how it all works out. <laughs> you can recap me. I'm... Okay. <laughs> so there we go. There's the final note. Twilight Eclipse, a laugh riot. <laughs> um, next episode, Natalie. Hmm. We're back on our own. We don't have a friend with us. Oh, so we are going to be watching Hercules in New York, Arnold Schwarzenegger's movie debut before he could speak English. Well, how could that be bad? <laughs> I see no problems with this. <laughs> so thank you very much, Emily, for being our guest. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much, Hopefuls, for listening. Thank you.